Hello and welcome to Father Figures, a show about fatherhood, uncommon fathers, fathers of all stripes. Here we pay attention to the risks and rewards, the griefs and the joys of being a dad. I'm your host, Stephen Amaya, and my experience as a father includes being a full-time stay-at-home caregiver of my disabled child for 25 years. It's been some serious hands-on experience. Now, before we get to our guest for this show, I want to mention that today is the first day of our pledge drive here at KMUN. That means for a short time you might experience some programmers interrupt us while we talk about support for this station. This is a community radio station, and it shows. It shows in the commitment of its volunteers. It shows in its importance to the community, in keeping people informed. And most especially, it, it shows in the attention of its listeners and the feedback we get. You really are the lifeblood of this station. Your support is vital. Uh, it's, it's like a heart is vital. So give a call to KMUN during business hours to help support the station at 503-325-0010. You can also donate online, of course, at KMUN.org and click on the red don- donate button. You can also send a check to uh, KMUN, P.O. Box 269, Astoria 97103. It's as simple as that. And it means an awful lot. It, it really does make a difference. Why not become a member? Do it in honor of a dad you know. Today on Father Figures, our conversation is with Osark Orak, the Executive Director of Lifeboat Services and Program Director of Filling Empty Bellies. Oz, as he's known, has had quite a journey from homeless and incarcerated to an active member of the community. A first-generation American with roots in Palau, an island country in the South Pacific, he sat down in the studio with me for a conversation about his life and fatherhood in particular. As usual, we started at the beginning. So I was born and raised in Portland, Oregon. And my father, uh, so he's he, he immigrated uh, to the United States at the age of around 20-ish to um, go to college. Yeah, he came here and he he stayed with uh, uh, a a couple of families as a, a, a basically like a foreign exchange student. But he he came and stayed with them while he was going to college, and he was extremely uh, self motivated and you know, and he had a lot of he had a lot of passion for whatever it was that he did. Um, uh, unfortunately, that didn't necessarily translate into when he had a family. Mm. It, uh, like I and it might it was. A lot of it was that he, uh, it was what he was taught, you know, mm-hmm. okay. um, the way that he raised his children, us, especially the right. first, the first three, because <laughs> yeah. uh, he was remarried, but um, he, he he was kind of abusive. Uh, you can know, you, can you give a story that illustrates, you know, uh, what the relationship was like? Uh, so, I mean, I just... Honestly, a lot of it I don't remember because I've blocked out. Uh-huh. But you know, uh, I, and I, I don't really like to talk about me. But uh, one, one instance of something that I would have to regularly witness the the abuse of my mother. You know, like just huddled up in our my my sister's room, actually hold, holding both my brother and sister uh, close to me as they were crying because my father was in the other room wailing on my mother and she ended, he ended, the next day she woke up with a or she she um came out of the room with a black eye and her mm. 
her arm was either like slightly broken in or dislocated. She, yeah, she had to go to the hospital and make an excuse about falling down the stairs or something. You know, he he had a lot of anger and animosity over. Uh, I mean, it was <laughs> our, our government basically uh, mm-hmm. and, and and the military in particular because of the Compact of Free Association with which is something that the um, United States military shoved down the throats of the Palauan people mm-hmm. by making them vote over a period of 18 years like six times or se- six or seven times small it's a small chain of islands but it's surrounded uh, uh, the Palauan waters are very very large expanse of the Pacific Ocean there um, they, there, there are hundreds uh, of rock islands surrounding it, uh, and like I said, it's, U, it was, it's U.S. trust territory. And they, um, yeah, like I said, they made them vote uh, uh, that many times over this period of eighteen years. And my father was fighting against the Compact of Free Association because he understood that um, it just wasn't a good thing. And the U.S. Uh, basically gave uh, Palau its freedom and. Uh, allowed it to create its own government and however it wanted and it mirrored mirrored the u.s government mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> constitution and you know it's the same thing president house senate all right. of it um and then the one <laughs> but the, there was one piece within the con- constitution uh which stated that no nuclear weapons or nuclear powered vessels were allowed within the Palauan waters and that's what brought about the compact of free association that the u.s military and the u.s government was trying to crammed down the throats of because they wanted that stricken out of there because with this large body of water between the the different countries right in the you know right in the middle there they uh, had to go around right they didn't want to have to go around with with their aircraft carrier nuclear powered aircraft craft carriers their submarines their you know you name it Uh, and and every every year that they made a vote it became you know they they solidified more of a foothold Mm -hmm. in, in voting towards it and People were coming up with jets. There were assassinations and assassination attempts. There were, all, I mean, so my father carried a lot of anger over all of this, and he and part of the reason uh, he came here to be get to to get educated and and to help fight against this this thing that he saw as a bad. And I believe also it was that that it was a bad thing, and it eventually passed. But he fought, and one of the things that he said he was fighting so that he could keep Palau the way that it is and the way yeah. that he grew up. With it, but he with that, and you know, he had he had anger, and he directed that anger to us. Yeah. Now, what did your father do for a living? <clears throat> so he uh, owned his own business. He was a con- uh, landscape contractor. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, that's. Did he ever take you to work with him? Oh, I went, I I started working with him when I was six years oh, old, okay. and, and trying to impress him, and trying to you know, look, look at me, Dad. I can I can you know. Now. When we spoke earlier, you mentioned there was a period when you were incarcerated and also a period when you were homeless. Can you share some of that experience uh, uh, and how that has evolved, how you've evolved to get to where you are today? I mean, how does how does one overcome the loss of power that accompanies imprisonment and homelessness? I mean, <clears throat> well, I, I, I I'm pretty stubborn, okay, uh, and. I, I'm, I've almost always been, and I, the, 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 I, a lot of it is learned from my father. You know, I, I see something, I want it, I, I, I pursue it. Uh, um, uh, and but so so he gave me these good th- good things, and then he also 
you know, I, 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 there, there was a lot of trauma that I had to work through and mm-hmm. it was a lot of the reason why I ended up in jail, in jail, in prison and on the street as this unhealed trauma. And I just, yeah. you know, went off, literally went off the deep end and, yeah. you know, cause I had owned several businesses before I ended up in, pri- in, wow. in, in prison, you know, I owned a, mm-hmm. a vacuum repair shop, uh, repair sales and service. And then I owned a, um, auto upholstery. So I, I, I'm a master upholsterer. I also owned a, a coffee cart with my ex-wife, a drive, double-sided drive-through espresso. You know, I'm I'm, yeah. I, I'm the guy that likes to figure out how to do it, and then you know, I, 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 historically, I've gotten bored. I'm like, oh, what's the next thing? You know, because I've done uh, carpentry, I've done, um, you know, I've done tile, uh, uh, framing, yeah. roofing. I've done a little bit of plumbing, electrical, I, all, everything within within the house. And after the last time I went to jail, with all, out of all of my ter- turmoil, and all the treatment and all the, you know, I just, I just finally, I was like, you know, I can't do this anymore. You know, I, I, I need to do something different. I need to look at myself, and, yeah. I, and you know, and and it's to this day, it's a struggle. I'm still, mm-hmm. you know, I'm still looking at myself, and that's what I need to do. I need to look at myself so that I can be a better person so that I can, you know, actually be able to give of myself uh, to our world, our community, our, my, my, chi- my child, you mm-hmm. know, it's, uh, yeah. So now you're a father. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what were the circumstances of becoming a father? What was it like the moment you found out you were going to be a dad? What, where in the timeline did that happen? Uh, so it was a pr- it was a pretty big shock. Um, I honestly was settled on never uh, having kids. My then girlfriend, now wife, uh, didn't plan on having a third child. Mm-hmm. So it, initially, it was it was shock. But at the at the same time, I I, uh, I was pretty excited. You know, like I was. Uh, <laughs> it's like, whoa, wait a minute. I you know I'm I, I get this chance to 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 maybe make up for. You know, for my predecessors, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 uh, maybe because my my son has helped me uh, tremendously. How old in, in How healing. old is your son now? He's two and a half. Two and a half. Uh, he's teaching me as much as I'm te- as, as much as I'm teaching him, uh, and I can only imagine that'll that'll continue. You know? yeah. um, and it makes it makes me want to be a better person even more. You know, uh, yeah. Between him and his mother. They they definitely keep me on task. <laughs> yeah. Now now given given your your busyness, I mean you you are very busy down where you work and 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 if it were affordable, would you use childcare, or do you like hanging with your kid at work? You know. Uh, yes and no. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, yes and no. Um, we f- we feel pretty strongly that w- at least one of us needs to be with the major- majority of the time, mm-hmm. uh, at least right now. Until he gets into preschool or you know post first grade, what, whatever that looks like. Um, yeah, I mean it's not that we can't afford childcare. It's it's more about not not trusting or not not you know not being comfortable yet mm. to let him uh, let, let him go. Do you do you bring work home with you? <laughs> and what's that like for domestic tranquility? <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, Yes, yes, I bring work home and uh, and I plead the fifth. Um, okay, <laughs> okay. It's not tranquil. I, I can I can say that. Um, and 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 
it's a balance that I'm that I'm learning because I'm yes. you know I've never been the executive director of anything, right? You know I've right. owned businesses, but this is different, and and, and with the the. <laughs> The lack of funding and the lack of resources, mm-hmm. and you know, so mm-hmm. it, it, it's as necessary as it is for the for for the um, tranquility of <laughs> of of the home life. Yeah. Um, it's necessary for the stability and uh, you know forward momentum of the organization mm-hmm. for myself and my wife to take work home because I mean we're mm-hmm. we, we we're doing it together. Yeah. So, yeah. but. It, it, there's a balance, and <laughs> we struggle to find that yes, balance. Yes. So, given the work you do, what do you see in the future, insofar as what's in store for society? Are you optimistic, or <clears throat> no? No. I I I, ha- I have been I, I have not been <laughs> optimistic for uh, most of my life, and that's uh, that. There's another piece to the puzzle of the reasons, or part part of the reasons why I ended up where I where I did, because mm-hmm. I all but gave up. I was like, <laughs> this is, you know, uh, I I just I look around and uh, I mean, greed. There's just so much greed in in the world. I mean, and mm-hmm. it, it just that's just what it boils down to. It's 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 power, money. At there's enough here for everyone to be happy in this in our world especially in the united states one of the you know most powerful countries in the world with with uh, <laughs> the most resources i mean there is no reason why you should be able to walk down the street and see a, a child or a or a, you know a kid mm-hmm. in my my view a kid a 16 17 year old on the streets with n- no place to you know no food no no place to be even if they're in an addiction there should be our systems are broken Mm-hmm. And they have been for a long time. No one can deny that. It's the reason why we are where we're at today. And there is just so, so, so. There are so many people turning a blind eye to what's going on that I just don't, you know. And and people, as a, a, a majority of people are like she, sheeple. They're sheeple. We mm-hmm. we just kind of go along with the flow, and and that's not going to work. <laughs> so what keeps you going? I mean. <clears throat> That, what keeps me going is that I, I, I feel like I can make a difference um, in, in, in my community where I can touch and, and reach, and especially in such a small community like, like Clatsop County, one person can make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel the same in Portland <laughs> where I grew up. It's, a much, it's much bigger and much more daunting uh, a task to yeah. go and try to feed the homeless in Portland. Here, it's so much more attainable if everybody got on board to just help. We could eradicate homelessness. So what are the obstacles? Bootstraps mentality. Hmm. um, Just just stubbornness to look at things how they are and and look at the problems that we have across this nation. And the, the, the main thing is that there is so much trauma, unhealed trauma, and that's... People can only see the addiction, the drugs, the the alcohol, the the over the you know the alcohol abuse, the drug abuse, the needles laying on the floor, but they can't look pa- they can't look past that at what's driving those things. There are underlying reasons behind all of these people's addictions, including my own. You know, I struggled mm-hmm. with alcohol for many, many, many years, mm-hmm. and uh, other other drugs as well. But alcohol was my 
you know, that's the one that got me, landed me into prison. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was my unhealed trauma and unaddressed trauma and, and, you know, things that I need to look, look within myself, you know, mm-hmm. to figure out what, you know, what, why am I doing this to myself? And why, you know, until we fix the treatment services and the mental health care um, systems in in this country we're we're not we're not moving anywhere mm. past where we're where we're at uh, we can't see past past our nose yeah <laughs> but it, it yeah it's kind yeah. of it's uh some things are changing mm. people are seeing but the problem with government and i know i'm fairly i know you know this well it, it, it's hard to get those wheels once they're turning in a certain direction it it's takes a lot it takes hundreds of millions of dollars and hundreds of thousands of man hours just to get a little tweak in that wheel mm-hmm. and that's where we're stuck at now like uh, like the government the, the governor and i i believe that our governor uh, believe or knows what what needs to be done or has has a bit, much better idea than her, than her predecessors um it's just that wheel in a previous episode of this show, I quoted Frederick Douglass, who said, it's easier to grow strong children than to repair broken men. Now, in your capacity as director of these nonprofits, one can't help but think that you've had that quote come into stark reality. Do you, do you ever feel as if you're, in a way, a father to the people that you care for and serve? <clears throat> no, no. Um, I... No, mm. I, I don't. I don't view myself as, as as a as above any mm-hmm. of our participants or or, mm. or member. I've, I, I, I feel like as if I'm walking alongside them, mm-hmm. in whatever in as whatever capacity that they have to do so. And I and that's what we want to. That's what we're trying to create and facilitate is, mm-hmm. uh, um, is a space and a place for our participants and members to walk alongside us in their journey to where, where, wherever that journey, um, uh, whatever that journey's end looks like for them, mm-hmm. it's their personal journey and we want to help them get there in the most comfortable and humane way possible. And that's what we are trying to create with Lifeboat Services. Mm-hmm. It's part of the reason why we just did the um, <clears throat> intentional peer support training for our entire staff. And we're going to mandate from here on out that our staff mm-hmm. take that intentional peer support training and we'll be uh, um, I mean I just got did, submitted the paperwork to be uh, <coughs> registered as a tra- traditional healthcare worker hmm. um, that treating them treating these human beings as our peers because for me they were mm-hmm. I was on the streets with right. a lot of the people that I am um, you know providing services yes. for now yes you know we both Aaron and I, you know, we treat this organization. This organization feels like our ba- our baby as well, mm-hmm. you know, because you know we're we're doing this new thing, and we're you know we're so grassroots. It's yes, and you're devoting pretty much everything you have to it. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, and and you know from I mean, from the beginning, neither one of us were, were paid in the beginning. You know, it, it, it's because it wasn't ever about the money. It's about providing this thing that isn't here. And is necessary, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone deserves, you know, their their basic needs to be met. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
place to sleep. Yes, every, and, and yeah. everybody wants to experience dignity and belonging and respect and inclusion. You know, and yeah. and it can be very difficult for people to accept it when they're not like they are. Yeah, one thing my my wife recently posted something uh, that she she wrote up, and it was ba- I'm going to paraphrase. It was basically um, well, part a piece of it anyway was it was just li- likening quote uh, normal people that live in houses. Uh, to the, the and drink alcohol mm-hmm. and abuse alcohol mm-hmm. or and and drugs mm-hmm. and the only, I mean the only thing the, the only difference here is that these people have money yes and and the ones that are on the street don't that's that's the only difference they can afford to buy a bottle of Cavassier and mm-hmm. da- on the street they're 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 purchasing Firebird the little yeah <laughs> night train or, yeah Thunderbird <laughs> night train yeah. um so I mean it. And, and I honestly, I feel like that's a lot. That some, that's some of the animosity is that on some level, uh, that, that we we get on some level, they they see that 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 there really isn't a whole lot of difference there. So people yeah. are angered by that. And most of, I mean, most of our participants are they're they're, they're locals. Yeah. Like the majority of our participants, I don't care what what. what there's a lot of people running around uh, speaking mistruths and saying mm. that. Uh, these people are coming in from Portland. Uh, they're both. They're mostly from no. Uh, no. Majority of our participants are Locals. from Clatsop, Clatsop County. Either yeah. born and raised or transplanted so long ago that they, they're, they're locals. Yeah. Well, Oz, thank <laughs> you for uh, coming into the studio today. Uh, but before we go, uh, could you just remind us about where you're located and some of the services you provide? Yes, uh, Lifeboat Services is located at 1040 Commercial. Uh, we provide basic need. Uh, well, filling empty bellies, the lower level provides basic needs to anyone. Uh, we have a um, noon meal. We have a washing machine and dryer available on a first come, first served basis. We are in the process of installing showers. Uh, we have a fully fun- a full clothing closet, emergency clothing closet, a small emergency food pantry, a couple of computers available for resources. We run a TV and do 9 to 4 Monday through Friday. We have coffee and pastries and and the like. Um, and uh, if you need it's, help. If, it's low barrier. Right. It is low barrier. Yeah. Um, so soon we will be doing emergency shelter at that location and moving our daytime services and expanding those upon those services to okay. include more wraparound support to get people into housing at the uh, old AWC space. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. The that's story with winter coming. I'm yeah. sure it'll be uh, helpful. Yes. And the other piece <coughs> is Beacon Clubhouse, um, mm-hmm. which is a members only um, <clears throat> clubhouse, which was actually started under NAMI um, with, with the uh, Clubhouse International model. And um, what is NAMI? National Alliance on Mental Illness. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Nami Klatsip seeded um, the Beacon Clubhouse, and then it uh, has since um, left Nami and become umbrellaed under Lifeboat Services, but it's a um, non-clinical members-only clubhouse for individuals uh, identifying as living with mental illness. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, you know, it's just... Peers, peer run, peer led. Um, mm. uh, they do different activities throughout the week: uh, gardening, going to the gym, um, and it's basically it's run by the by the members. Okay. So they get to kind of like guide and, and 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 lead what's happening and what trips they do and what what classes they do. You know, because 
sometimes they'll do yoga or they'll yeah. someone will lead an art class or you know there's different different it's the opportunities or whatever they make of it um, well, that's great is there anything else you'd like to talk about uh, I guess yeah there is one one more thing yeah, my, go ahead. Uh, my 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 son has helped to save my life yeah uh, and and his, his my my son and his mother have both I if I I don't I honestly don't know where I would be without Aaron and Bella mm-hmm. and and his brothers I just I I really don't know where I would be As you can hear, fatherhood can change a man. Not only does it implore him to take responsibility, it can instill a courage maybe he didn't know he had. Oz has come a long way, and this might be what makes him appropriate for the people he serves. And serves is the operative word. What pops into my head is what it says on the side of some police cars, the phrase, to protect and serve. It smacks of paternalism, but maybe fatherhood is paternalism, just without the arrogance. And fathers aren't cops, unless they're, you know, actually cops. What many fathers know is that the serve part of that phrase can loom large, larger than we ever expected it to be. My observation has been that good fathers serve needs of their children, as opposed to, say, serving their personalities. Take, for example, teaching. That's direct service, as are respecting and modeling. The discipline of being a good model as a father requires mature masculinity, as opposed to toxic masculinity, however you may define it, a perhaps counterproductive term we hear so much these days. Mature masculinity contains elements of courage, humility, and vulnerability. Mature masculinity has been described as being a gentleman at a dance and helpful in a shipwreck. I understand that. Courage, it seems, is like a muscle, and no matter where... And no matter where we are in age or health or social class, each of us needs courage. And to have courage, we need what? That's the question, I suppose. Is it education? A full belly? A shower? All of the above? Wherever shall we find the courage to begin? Thank you for... Listening to this show, as you may know, it's fairly new, and so we're still ironing out the wrinkles, but that's the kind of thing that happens in community radio. It's homegrown, so things may get a little muddy sometimes. And and thanks to the web, what we grow here is available all around the round world. <laughs> and, but you know, our pledge drive has begun, so it's time to go to the phone and give us a call at 503-325-0010 during busyness hours. Or donate online anytime at KMUN.org to help keep us on the air. Do it for a dad, you know. That'll do it for this episode of Father Figures, and I want to thank Osark Orak for being a guest on the show, and my thanks to Jason Shaw of Audionautics.com for the music. And if you know a dad who might be a good subject for this show, you can send an email to RadioRanchero at gmail.com. And uh, thank you for listening. Until next time, remember the days are long, but the years are short. Bye-bye.
Hey, I just want to jump in here one more time. Why delay? Give us a call at 503-325-0010 and become a member. That's 503-325-0010. Operators are standing by. They really are. Thanks again for listening.